thing for you and I. Hey, again, I'm always, I'm always inspired. I'm always thankful for those that come and that are a part of our broadcast. Today, we're going to continue to do a deeper dive in speaking about the forgiving power of God. We're going to be going into a deeper dive. This is like our, our uh, second portion of speaking about the forgiving power of God. We're going to do a recap to bring everybody up to date. And then we're going to go ahead and explore some new revelation that God will give us as it relates to the forgiving power of God. Our scripture is coming from out of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12 which is speaking about David, and he speaks about creating in me a clean heart and renewing the right spirit within me. If we're going to go down to verse 16 and 17 of that same psalm, and that speaks about David is saying to the Lord, God, I know you do not desire sacrifices that are man-made, but Lord, the sacrifices that you desire for me are to have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He's asking the Lord not to take his presence from him, not to take his Holy Spirit from him because of a sin that he has committed. David has committed a sin with Bathsheba. You may know the story, but if you don't, go over to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and it will give you the story of David and Bathsheba and how David should have been out with his warriors. He should have been out on the battlefield. He should have been out there doing the things that he was ordained to do professionally as well as spiritually, but he ended up staying back in a place that he should not have been. Have you ever found yourself that you stayed back to a, in a place that you should not have been? You knew you should have gone forward. You knew you should have moved forward into another area, into another direction. God had opened up another opportunity, another open door. But because you gave excuses for yourself, you decided, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to go ahead and stay here in Sodom and Gomorrah, if you will. I'm going to go ahead and stay here in this place that I know that's not God's best for me. And what happened? David got himself caught up in sin because he was in a place outside of God. It is so important for you and I to stay in the place of God. The Bible says that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord and he takes delight in them. So as we are moving forward, whether it's our professional life or in our spiritual life, it's important to hear the spirit of the Lord when he tells you to go out or when you know that just based off of what you have been blessed, you have been graced to do in your life, that you need to be here instead of there. And sometimes we want to stay at the place of, uh, of, of, uh, of here when God wants us to be in the place of there. So this is where David found himself. And in that state of idleness, he was attracted and he was on the rooftop and he looked over and he saw this woman who was beautiful to him. He called her to his quarters and next thing you know, they have relations and she goes back. Well, when she goes back, she finds out she's pregnant. She sends word back to David that she's pregnant. David is trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do now? So then he calls for her husband who was out in the field. He was out on the fighting lines, which is where David should have been, but he wasn't. He calls him back. He tells him, hey, I want you to come back. You've been working pretty hard out there in the field. Why don't you go ahead and go see your wife? Have some time with her, spend some time with her. 
you know, have relations with her and then go back out to the battlefield. Because what David wanted to do was to make it seem like that when he had relations with his wife, she was already pregnant, but he wanted to seem like that it was the husband that got her pregnant and not him. Well, it didn't work that way because this person, his name is Uriah. He had a lot of respect. He had respect for his position. He had respect for the king. He had respect for his fellow uh, uh, mates and soldiers and, and service members that were out there on the front line. He even had much respect for his wife. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Then David told him, he said, okay, he wrote a note. It was a death sentence. He gave this man his own death sentence and sent him back out to the field. When he got back to his captain of the field and they read the sentence, he put him in the front lines and in turn, this man died. This man, Uriah, who didn't do anything, this man who tried to do the right thing by the person that was his superior was, um, was, was, um, what word do I want to use? He was, um, he was, um, baffled, if you will. He was, he was led astray by someone that he respected. How many, how, how many times have that happened to people where they have respected someone and that person has led them astray and it ended up in the death of this person? Well, what happens? David, he wipes the dust off. He wipes the blood off of his hands. He goes and gets Bathsheba. He tells Bathsheba to come and she becomes his wife. Now, from the time that this happens to the time that Psalms 51 is written, it's one year. Approximately one year later, Nathan comes. Nathan comes to uh, uh, David, because the Lord sends him, this is the prophet Nathan, God sends him to, um, to David and he tells David a situation. He gives him a scenario and he says, how would you act in this scenario? Of course, this scenario was something that David was like, how could this person do this? This person should be uh, dead. This person should be stoned, so on and so forth. And Nathan looked right at David and said, that person is you. At that moment, David realized the sin that he had done. And the Bible says that the Lord was displeased with David because of his decision. Now, isn't it amazing that David was able to live for at least for one year without even really having uh, having to have to deal with the sin, but God was yet displeased with David for one year. You see, that's what sin will do to you. Sin will have you in a place of being comfortable when you should be uncomfortable. David was in a place of being comfortable. He was probably skipping around the palace with him and Bathsheba, thinking that everything was going to be okay. But remember, the word of the Lord said in 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you read down, he said, based on David's decision of what he did, the Lord was displeased with him. How many of you want the Lord to be displeased with you, but yet you're still able to go around your life and live your life from day to day? David, when he was confronted with the sin, he realized something. He realized, you know what, that I have to uh, come clean with God. And that's what God wants from us when we talk about the forgiving power of God. God wants us to come clean. And so Psalms 51 is what is known as a penitential psalm, which is also called a psalm of confession. So you and I, when we have situations in our life where we feel that there is a gulf between us and God, when we know that there is a gulf between us and God because of sin, how do we get ourselves back in right standing with God? Sometimes we think that it's about, you know, God forgive me, 
but God forgive me and I do a 360 degree turn, which is keep putting me right back where I was. But when we talk about the forgiving power of God, we're talking about repentance. And repentance is not a 360 degree turn. Repentance is a 180. Repentance is a complete change of our thinking, a change of our heart, a change of our spirit, a change of our behavior, and a change in our living that aligns with the purposes of God. I will say that again. Repentance is a 180 degree turn. You're turning away from something and you're turning to something. You're turning away from sin and you're turning to God. And how are we turning to God? We're turning to God in a change in our behavior, a change in our mind, a change in our heart, a change in our actions, a change in the way that we are living so that we don't continue the perpetual cycle of sin. The Bible says that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Bible says, God forbid. Because see, when we look at sin, we look at sin as just big thing, right? I didn't sin. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't shoot anybody. I didn't blow up any buildings. But let me break down to you what sin really is. You see, sin is encompassing. It's encompassing of different things. Sin is encompassing of something called transgression. This is what David talks about when he goes into Psalm 51. He speaks to God about his transgression. A transgression is something that we know that is wrong, but we do it anyway. So a transgression is something that we know that is wrong, but we decided to do it anyway. We knowingly step over the law. We knowingly step, knowingly step over God's word. An example of that is think about a child, a child that's a toddler. When a child is a toddler, oftentimes outside of the word mommy and daddy, what is the first word that a toddler will say? You got it right. The word no. And you also know that with a toddler, if you're out in public or you're out somewhere, even in your home, and you tell that child, now don't go over there, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go right over there. Why? Because you told them not to. So where did they learn that from? Who taught them that? Who taught them how to be disobedient? It is something called the sin nature. It is the sin nature. It is that we were born into this sin nature. And this comes from Genesis because of the sin of Adam and Eve. So we're all born with this sin nature. That's why a little toddler can tell you, shut up, no, be quiet. And for some people, you think that's cute. But the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that he or she should go so that they shall not depart. So if you don't handle that little spirit when it's two and three years old and train them up, teach them in the way that they should go, that little spirit is going to do what? It's going to grow up into a big spirit and you're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be able to handle that sin nature that's in that child because you didn't train them up in the way that they should go. Because why? Because of transgressions. They knew it was wrong, but they decided to do it anyway. The Bible, again, I'm going to go back to Romans 6, 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die into sin live any longer in it? So we died to it, but we are not supposed to live in it. You understand? How shall, we how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? 
So there are things that we know that we should not do, but we do them anyway. Some of you right now, you may have just kind of browsed through this channel and God allowed you to land on it and you are in sin right now and you like it. You think it's a good thing. You think it's fun. But understand, there is wages to sin and that is death. Next is iniquity. When we talk about iniquity, it means to distort. It means to twist. It means to bend. It means that we take things and we shift the word of God to fit our needs. We shift the word of God or we shift the situation to fit our needs. It's a bending. It's a twisting of the truth. How many of you have fell into iniquity? Thank you. At least 100% of us out there. One of the key phrases when you find yourself in any iniquity, one of the key phrases that I've found is that the key phrase is, see what happened was. See what happened was. When we have found ourselves in iniquity, Proverbs 28 and 13 says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Isn't that what God is about? God is about us having another chance, but eventually our chances are going to run out. Now, where do you want to be when your chance run out? Do you want to be on the right side of the chance or do you want to be on the left side of the chance? Do you want to be on the side of the chance that's going to get you to heaven or you want to be on the side of the chance that's going to lead you straight to hell? When we talk about sin again, we see it as this big thing like I didn't kill, I didn't steal. But yet we do have transgressions. That's when we know to do that. We know that it's wrong, but we do it anyway. We have iniquities, which means that we take what we know is wrong and we try to twist it and make it right. And then we have evil. And we know straight up evil is just what it is. You know, it's that, that person that goes into that school and shoots children. That person that goes into a mall or to a supermarket or to a parking lot and runs over people and shoots people and stab people and kill people and rape people. We know those type of evils. We know those type. But what about that transgression and that iniquity that we walk around with each and every day that we do not take to our loving and forgiving God. Because you see that we as individuals, we as you and I, when we forgive someone, we can forgive them from the act of it. We can forgive them for lying. We can forgive them for stealing. We can forgive them for cheating. We can forgive them for adultery. But yet there is a soul, a S-O-U-L to the act. There is a more deeper level. There's a seed that's attached to that act. And that seed, if it's allowed to stay, it will begin to grow, it will begin to develop, and it will begin to give out the fullness of it, which is nothing but death. That's why the Bible tells us to repent. Acts 3 and 19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is what it says. John's, James 1 and 15 from the Message Bible says, Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts no evil in anyone's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. 
We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing, flaring up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant, has a baby, and it's called sin. And sin grows up into adulthood and becomes a real killer. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. You see, this message is not, not about doom and gloom. This message is about victory and it's about deliverance. It's about a place in your life that we all must have in order for us to have eternal life, in order for us to say, according to Romans 10 and 9, in order for us to have that confession to God. And even after we have the confession to God, when we do sin, we know we have an avenue. We have a way that we can come back to God. And this is what this word is about. And I spoke about the penitential Psalms. The penitential Psalms are Psalms of Confession. There are many of them that's listed throughout the book of Psalms, Psalm 6, Psalms 32, Psalms 38, Psalm 51, the one we're looking at, Psalms 102, Psalm 130, and Psalm 143. But there is a flow to these Psalms that we can utilize ourselves as we're getting ourselves back in right standing with God. Because you see, you may be in a situation in your life right now where there is a gulf it seems between you and God. There's a gap between you and God because of sin. You try to get out of it. You, you go to God. You say, Lord, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. But you find yourself still in this perpetual cycle of sin and you just don't know how to get out of it. These Psalms help us to get out of it because it gives us a blueprint. It gives us a compass. It gives us a GPS so that we can get directly right with God. These Psalms, first of all, speaks of an acknowledgement. You and I have to acknowledge that sin is in our life. We have to acknowledge it. We have to not only acknowledge it, but we have to take it to the one who can acknowledge it for us and deliver us from it. And that is God. So when we take this sin to God as an acknowledgement, we just don't enter into the door and say, God, forgive me, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, though, that, that's okay. That can happen. I'm not saying it can't happen, how the Holy Spirit leads. However, in the posture of repentance, this is what I'm speaking about. I want to talk about the posture of repentance. In that posture, you go to God and you plead to him for his mercy. You lament. You have sorrow. You have grief. For the fact that you know that you're going to even be bringing this sin before him. Because you know this sin is what separates you from God. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. And, and they said that he prayed so much that like pools of blood uh, drenched down from him. And that the Bible says that he was in anguish. What was that anguish about? That anguish was about the fact that he was going to put on him the sins of the world and it was going to cause a separation from God. And in that in, in interaction, in that exchange with God, when you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, you see how um, Jesus was praying to God. He acknowledged him first. He acknowledged him as the Father. He acknowledged him in his goodness. He acknowledged him in his mercy. He acknowledged that he was the only one that he could come to 
and, and lay the burden and lay the heaviness of what was going to happen in his life or what was about to happen in his life. This is the same posture that you and I need to bring. We need to bring that posture of repentance, that posture of Gethsemane as we go to the Lord and be with him and acknowledge him in his mercy. As David said, he said, I know that you are merciful God. I know that you are God full of compassion. I know that you are God full of love. So he was already positioning himself so that the next thing to come out of my mouth is all of this sin that I've committed. I'm bringing it to a God who is gracious, who is compassion, who is full of love, who's not going to allow me to live in that shame, who's not going to allow me to live in that condemnation, who's not going to allow me to live in that guilt. Are you with me? So as he went into this posture, that's number one, when we talk about going into the posture of repentance according to the Psalms of Confession, a.k.a. also known as the Penitential Psalms. Next thing was a confession. David had to come clean. He had to give God everything that he had done. And he talked about it in Psalm 51. He mentioned it as transgressions. He talked about it as iniquity. He talked about the sin. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew he should have been out there with his uh, comrades, but he did not go. So he knew he had a transgression. He knew that he had an iniquity because he twisted the story so that Uriah would be in a situation where he had to make a decision all the time knowing what David wanted to do at the end, which was to have Uriah again to go back and have relations with his wife and Uriah said no so he knew that he had done an iniquity and then the great evil was when he automatically you know had the man killed by, by because of his sin so David took all of that to the Lord he said that I know you're merciful. I know that you're gracious, dear God, and I know that you're forgiving. But he took it. It was a cry of confession that he took to God. And then he asked for a renewal. He said, Lord, I need you to renew this relationship with me. I desire, God, that you rejoice, that you restore the joy of my salvation. I ask you, dear God, that you also, Father God, take not your presence from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And be mindful of the fact that today in the New Testament hour, we have the Holy Spirit that rests, rules, and abides. Because Jesus said that once I go up into the heaven, I'm going to leave you with a, a comforter. I'm going to leave you with an advocate, someone that can be with you all the time. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon those that God had chosen, who God had anointed, and he had equipped them for a special purpose and for a special reason. So David is telling the Lord, he said, God, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I want to be back in right standing with you. You see, when you and I go before God in the posture of repentance, knowing the forgiving power of God, once we have that acknowledgement of his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his love that fell it not, then we come clean with our sin. God, I need you to take this, create in me a clean heart, deliver me from this wretchedness that I have inside of me. Help me, God, that I do not have this perpetual sin over and over again. Then after that, we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. It's going to lead us and guide us away from evil and away from temptation so that we can stay in the right standing with God. Are you with me? Are you seeing the flow? 
flow. So it's not just a matter of going and just saying, God, just forgive me, Lord. You know, I won't do it again. But then you turn around and you're doing it again. And you're saying, oh, wretched man, oh, wretched woman that I am. How come I can't stop this? It's because we need the delivering power and forgiveness of God. We need the delivering power to come in, in our lives. And so as we do this, as you go before God, and I just implore you to do so, go before God, acknowledge the sin, acknowledge, well, first acknowledge who he is. You know, we don't, we don't uh, appease to God, we appeal to God. So we go and we appeal to him based on his goodness and his graciousness towards us. And then have a true out confession. And then ask God to come in and create in you a clean heart. And God wants a sincere. He said, come to me with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He said, I want you to come to me in the fullness of who you are, in all of what you have done, so that I, in my fullness, okay, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, so then in my fullness, I can heal you and deliver you all together and all in entirety. So, Father, right now, I'm going to ask those of you that are listening, God did not have you to come and to listen to this broadcast for no reason. He wants you to be delivered. We want you to be delivered and set free. We want you to live the life that God has intended according to Jeremiah 29 and 11. So right now, I believe that God has touched and pricked your heart. And I want you to raise your hands to the Lord, and I just want you to take time right now to acknowledge God in his goodness. Acknowledge him as being merciful. God, I acknowledge you for being merciful. I acknowledge you for being compassionate. I acknowledge you, God, for your grace. I acknowledge you, Father God, that I could have died in my sin and gone straight to hell, but you gave me this second chance. I know, Father God, that I can only have lived and move and have my being, it is in you. I acknowledge, God, that you created me. I acknowledge, God, that I was created in your image. I acknowledge, God, according to Psalms 139, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's all because of you. Now, God, I bring to you my confession of sin. And then just bring it and put it before the altar. What is it? that God needs to do in your life? What is it that you have done that have caused this breach in your relationship with God? Just lay it out. And now, God, I ask you, Lord, to restore to me my joy, the joy of your salvation. God, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. I need your anointing, God, to live this life and to live it productively. I need your anointing, Father God. I need the, to, to be able to serve you with joy, God. I want to be free, Father God, from shame and guilt now in the name of Jesus. And the Lord is saying you are free. For whom the Son set free as free indeed. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Now you just sit before God and let him continue to minister to you. But I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's a good plan. Live it out according to his will and to his purposes. And whom the Son set free is free indeed. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you at the next time we are here together. God bless. ...into today's broadcast. If you'd like to stay connected with Robin Sherrod Deliverance Ministries, visit us at robinsherrod.com. Partner with us for weekly devotionals, candid conversations, Q&A, 
and a behind-the-scenes look at ministry life. We'd love to hear from you on social media and look forward to connecting with you next week.